In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The text is from a portion of the Gospel lesson Pastor read just a few moments ago. I invite you to join with me in reading this particular section. Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Lord, are you going to wash my feet? People of God, people whose faith is in Christ Jesus. You could have heard a pen drop. You could have heard a pen drop. Just a few minutes before that, the entire Passover room was filled with uh, disciples chattering and boasting. Uh, there was all kinds of noise that they had that filled the room. I could imagine that uh, Philip was saying, well, I was with John the baptizer in the desert wilderness while the rest of you guys were sleeping in your homes. Or I could imagine Andrew saying, well, I was the one who found the uh, fish and loaves so that we could feed 5,000 people. Look at the great thing that I did. Or Simon Peter said, yeah, but what about when you were at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked who he was, and the rest of you just stood there as if the cat had your tongue. I was the one who boldly stood up and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so I could just imagine that that Passover evening uh, room was filled with all kinds of noise. And in the midst of their boasting, Jesus quietly gets up, takes his outer robe off, takes a towel and wraps it around his waist, fills the water basin, and goes to the first disciple nearest him, possibly Judas, and begins to wash his feet. The room had been filled with noise, but now there was absolute silence. Absolute silence. You could have heard a pin drop. Hardly any paved roads in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Sidewalks had yet not been invented for probably more than another 1,000 years. All there were were just dirty, muddy paths that resulted in very dirty feet. Very dirty, very filthy feet. And only the various lowest of slaves was expected to wash the feet of people that had come into the house. And there was Jesus washing their dirty feet. And if we had been in that room, he would have been washing our feet. He had been washing our feet. Total silence, total shock, total disbelief at what they were seeing and feeling as their feet were cleansed by Jesus. This is so wrong. This is so upside down to their boasting. This is so upside down to giving any kind of honor that Jesus deserved. And I'm sure that Jesus was making them very, very uncomfortable. No wonder Simon Peter broke the silence. When Jesus came to wash his feet, 
Simon Peter spoke up and said, this isn't going to happen. This is not going to happen. And he strongly rejected what Jesus was doing for him. Jesus simply replied, you don't want me to wash your feet? Then you don't have anything to do with me. All of a sudden, Simon Peter was just the opposite. Don't stop at my feet. I need total cleansing. I need to be washed clean. And Jesus then replied, your feet are enough for now. There's complete washing for you. And so then Simon once again joins in the silence of the room, watching the mud come off of his feet, feeling the gentle hands of his master washing his feet. Shock and silence. How do we react to the totally undeserved actions of God's love and mercy? As Jesus continued to wash the dirty feet of his disciples, their thoughts must have moved from shock to dreadful sorrow and repentance. This action of Jesus was such a contrast to their boasting, all the noise that they were making before Jesus began this action. And so once again, what they discovered is Jesus had taught, caught them totally off guard, totally unexpected, of what he was going to give, the totally undeserved actions of his love for them. But there he was, not only cleaning their dirty feet, but cleaning their boastful tongues and their minds as well. It was an act of cleaning, cleaning of cleansing. But it was an act of cleansing that forecast an even greater cleaning that would be accomplished within 12 hours after this particular event. Within 12 hours, <clears throat> there would be an even more thorough cleaning that, was, that came about through an even more humiliating event. Within 12 hours, the disciples deserted him. <clears throat> he had to face his enemies alone, suffer the beatings, the crucifixion, and then the horror of being forsaken by his heavenly father. The one who was perfectly following the father's will was forsaken for, by the father. And for what purpose? One purpose, cleansing. It was all done for cleansing. Simon Peter's cleansing, the disciples' cleansing, my cleansing, your cleansing. And I'm sure that after that particular night, every time the disciples would go to a Jewish house and they would see that wash basin sitting there at the entrance of the door, they would never look at a wash basin the same again. It had a whole new meaning. And every time that they would see a cross, it would not be the same as they had seen it before because Christ dying on that cross had provided something for them that completely changed the message of the cross. So the message of the water basin, the message of the cross is cleansing, cleansing. God's forgiveness for all the filth and dirt of our sins, total undeserved cleansing 
which is ours only through God who humiliated himself for us. About 60 years ago, I was working as an orderly at the old Lutheran Hospital in Fort Wayne while I was going to the senior college there. Now, for those of you not old enough, I don't, do they even talk, uh, Cindy, are orderlies still in the hospital? They even have orderlies anymore? They do. Okay, I'm glad that my profession hasn't gone. Okay. <laughs> An orderly basically is a gopher. You know, do this, do that, and you run and do these particular things. <clears throat> well, one particular evening, I was working in the emergency room, and uh, the ambulance brought in a man who was having chest pains, so I helped move him over onto the stretcher and into the cart, took him into the emergency room. The doctor came in very quickly, uh, put him on a monitor, uh, started doing some tests and things like that. And so uh, I was asked to stay there in the room with the man. And as I was there with him, about 15 minutes later, the man's personal physician comes, coming into the, came into the hospital room, into the emergency room. And the hospital had called him to let him know that one of his patients was having chest pains, been brought into the emergency room. Now, I want to tell you right up the get-go, the heart was fine. Okay. Found out it was digestive problems. And he was able to go home after a short visit in the emergency room of only three hours. Okay. So, anyhow, so that's the good news, the good news. But, anyhow, we didn't know that. And the, uh, the doctor, the family physician was there... And as I sat, continued to stay in the room, it was very, very clear that these two were not only patient and doctor, they were very good friends. They were close personal friends. And so they were chit-chatting back and forth. They were talking about their family members, they were talking about vacations they were going to talk, take and everything. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, this guy might be dying of a heart attack and you're just chit-chatting about trivial stuff. I said, this just doesn't quite seem to go together. Well, later on, I realized what the physician was doing. The physician was directing the conversation so that he could help his friend relax as much as possible and relieve the stress until they got the test results back. Now, there's a long way of telling, what, and I'm finally getting to the point of why I brought this up. I don't remember any of that conversation. Don't remember any of that conversation. But there is one piece of the conversation I've remembered for 60 years. And it went something like this. As they were talking, the man who was uh, asked the doctor, he said, in all the years of medicine, what's been the most important thing that has helped more people with their health than any other thing? Is it the advancement of medicine? Is it the advancement of uh, technology like x-ray, stuff like that? And the doctor began to laugh. And he said, you're going to, this is really simple. He said, the two things that are, have produced the greatest benefit for the health of most people in the world are clean soap and water. Clean soap and water. And I thought to myself, you know, geez, that doesn't seem like much of an answer. But you see, clean water and soap. Then I got to thinking about it. My parents and grandparents, when they were kids, they drank out of cisterns. How many of you remember cisterns? Yeah. Or wells, shallow wells, and drinking water that had not been purified in any way or whatsoever. And the soap that they used was that old lye soap. Did anybody use lye soap? 
It removed dirt by taking off outer layers of your skin. <laughs> that's exactly what it did. That's how, that's how it worked. And so as I thought about this man's uh, uh, answer, I realized more and more that this is basic. Clean water, good soap. And even today, as Jane and I continue to receive requests from organizations and agencies like Compassion International or Food for the Poor, what's the number one request? Funding for clean water. So that millions of people around the world who have no access to clean water can have it. Clean water and soap. Cleansing. The basics. Cleansing that every person needs. Years ago, a young man complained to me, saying, Pastor, every time I come to church, it's always the same old message week after week. Forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Can't you ever come up with something new? You know. So I said, okay, let's do it this way. Try living an entire week without clean water and soap and see how it goes for you. I'm sure that within the week, you will be glad to get back to the same old, same old. Cleansing and forgiveness. That's what every person needs. Every person needs. So Jesus, Peter, and me. What do we learn from Jesus and Simon Peter? First of all, Jesus wants us to be absolutely certain of his forgiveness for us. No matter how dirty our feet or our lives, no matter what we've done in the past, no matter what we're doing now, no matter what we're going to do tomorrow, he wants us to be able to count on his forgiveness, his cleansing. The one who washed Simon Peter's dirty feet is the one who for, whose forgiveness cleans us the dirtiest of our sins. Pastor Tom has a way of reminding us, God is in the forgiveness condemning business. God is in the condemning, right? God is in the judgment business. God is in the I'm sorry, I'm hard of hearing. Okay, God is in the forgiveness business. The forgiveness business. And there's one thing that God wants us to understand. He wants us to receive the full benefit of his forgiveness. The second thing that we learn is that there's a lot of dirty feet in our world. A lot of dirty feet in our world. People who, unfortunately, are a lot like us. Sinners in need of cleansing. And we are given the, pick, the privilege to pick up the towel and to bring them cleaning. So often in our world today, we are threatened to see the, have the world as it is. We're ready to do what with the towel? Throw it in. Christ gives us the privilege of picking it up. Picking it up. And taking the wash basin, taking the soap and water to let people know beyond a doubt God has forgiven you. You are clean. You are clean. And so it's back to the basics. Clean water and soap. A wash basin filled with water, a baptismal font filled with water that is connected to the Word. It's back to the basics, a cross, 
a cross which provides cleansing through the sacrifice of Christ, the body and blood of Christ, a soap that takes our sins away as we receive the sacrament of his body and blood. And like the disciples, in silence and shock, we receive the cleansing that only our Lord can give us. And like the disciples, in silence and shock, we receive the cleaning that only our Lord can give us. And like the disciples, in silence and shock, we receive the cleaning that only our Lord can give us. Cleanse me, Lord. Cleanse my feet, my dirty hands, my dirty heart, my dirty life. Clean me, Lord, so that I can bring your cleanness, your forgiveness into the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.